Welcome to TalkErie.com's Joel Natale Show, Erie, Pennsylvania's daily podcast. Every day, we tackle the biggest issues that the Erie, PA region faces. Stay informed and involved as we advance the narrative of Erie. Now, here's Joel Natale. Good to have you back here for your April visit here, Mayor Joe. Thank you, Joel. I'm very happy to be with you. I look forward to the conversation. All righty. Well, let's uh, let's get right to it because there sure is a lot of issues that we're dealing with here in our community. Um, uh, first off, uh, thinking that uh, today is the one-year anniversary of the first death due to COVID-19, and yes. uh, and that is remarkable to me. Again, none of us would have thought that this thing would be still going months yes. and months and months. What do you think? You're you're absolutely right. Uh, certainly when it first started, we never expected this much. Um, now we're not even sure when it's going to end. I, yeah. I think we had 73 people uh, get COVID yesterday. Uh, and a year ago, that would have been a shocking number. Uh, it's down certainly from where we were back in December of last year, but it's still high. And I'm, what I'm hearing from the hospitals is they have more vaccines now than people are willing to take. So they're having trouble getting people to take the vaccine. And I was talking with uh, the, the head of uh, St. Vincent's, Chris, and he, he, he asked me, well, what percentage do you think won't get vaccinated? And I said, well, probably 20%. This was a week or two ago. And he said he feels like it's going to be more like 50% won't get vaccinated. And if that's true, we're, we're not going to be safe. We're going to have to continue wearing the mask, continue social distancing. And uh, I think most of us really want to get back to a time when we could be around other people again. And like, like we used to do over a year ago. You know, I think, I think at, at some point it's going to be families make the decision. And so the, the concept of, uh, uh, of uh, if you want to, you know, go to a thing, if you want to go to a concert, I'm thinking about what we're missing again in 2021 because, you know, we basically have canceled Celebrate Erie again. So all that free yeah. music, uh, you, you know, the bike nights and things, uh, you know, we yeah. might not have eight greats. I mean, I, I think about the things that make Erie eerie and it's and we're taking another year off of those things. And it's because the COVID cases just will not go down. That's right. And I, I will say we are hoping to do more this summer than we did last summer. Sure. Like we, we did decide we can't have 100,000 people in downtown Erie. Uh, it's just too big a risk. But we are planning. We don't know for sure if we're going to do it yet. So we haven't really announced anything. But we're, we're looking at doing uh, maybe a weekend where we have uh, concerts going on in like six different parks around town. So it won't be a big crowd in any one park. But there's still... Because I think that's something all of us miss, just the opportunity to be out there with other people doing things instead of being sequestered in our homes. Yeah, and it goes to some of your core values of, of you know, of rebuilding the community, right? I mean, so absolutely. Uh, so absolutely. that's part of that. All right. Uh, let's talk about reopening City Hall. You have a goal of, of June 1st, yes. and uh, uh, we, you released a, a statement before – uh, the city council meeting regarding a the city hall security project, and again, I just uh, I just want to find out uh, the the timing on this thing because 
the, it, it says that Dave Mul- Mulliville is quoted saying, we spent the last several months planning and seeking proposals and cost estimates for the safest options to reopen City Hall. But, Mayor, this is happening in, in April to, to uh, happen in June, whereas uh, the courthouse opened uh, last fall. So why, why has it been delayed like this? Well, part of it's because we just we didn't have the security that either courthouse, the the the, uh, the county or the federal courthouse in Erie have, and we really felt like this this showed us a real need to to do something. I know we've had a lot of incident incidents on our upper floors, third, fourth, fifth floors, where employees have been scared to death by things people have been saying to them, threatening them, things like that. Yes. Wow. And it doesn't happen every day, but I, I know my receptionist was has been threatened a couple times uh prior to covid in, in about a year's period of time and she's behind a big open space sure and she she was literally afraid this these people might come right through that open space and and do something to her so uh but just we, a, we, j- just a quick question this was not in the city of erie budget the the security plan it's coming from unappropriated revenues so uh it wasn't something that you guys were considering when you were formulating the budget last October, November. Yes, it, it definitely was. And it's, it's, it's budgeted, but it's not specifically doesn't specifically say it's for this, but it's for improvements that we need to make. And, okay. and this is probably the most important improvement that we need to make. It's going to cost, it's not cheap either. It's going to cost about $900,000. Wow. We're going to have three security officers in the lobby of city hall to monitor people as they go through, you know, the scanners and, as they take their COVID tests before they get in and uh, all that sort of thing. Uh, one of them will be armed. Uh, so it's uh, it's really gonna change City Hall. Another thing we're doing is the police department should really be separate from the rest of City Hall. And of course, the way it's been, you could just walk to, from one area to the other, the, the police department, anywhere else in City Hall. So we're, we are gonna separate the two of them so if you come in the police entrance, you won't be able to get to the rest of the city hall or vice versa. If you come in the city hall entrance, you won't be able to get to the police station. It talks about upgrades for exterior and interior surveillance cameras, access control for doors, a visitor management system, garage entrance with long range readers, uh, video intercom at Peach Street for the police department, metal detectors, x-ray scanner, which is, again, what we have at both uh, courthouses uh, visitors kiosk and uh, and then a uh, an ability to COVID uh, screen and then yes. this idea of uh, software. <laughs> when I saw this, I, I just just a, an aside to you, Mayor, but this is the same city hall that was kicking and screaming to get their payroll electronic and now we're going to have all of this fancy stuff uh yes. for security which is needed but it, it just kind of made me laugh a little bit of all the pushback that your your pre- predecessor had uh with just getting off of time cards that were handwritten yeah <laughs> yes it, uh, that definitely was a challenge for yes. sure um, we're trying to trying to get in the 21st century. You know? Thank you. Appreciate that, Mayor. <laughs> <laughs> um, so so uh, you said all in all, it's going to be a little bit under a, a million dollars, and the money is there. Of course, yes. of course, you're sitting on a a boatload of cash. We're going to talk about that in a little bit, but but for now, um, you're ha- you have it in the regular budget. Yes, it is in the budget. It's about nine hundred thousand total. Two hundred fifty thousand has had the two votes required already to to approve it. 
and then the balance, the, the 650,000 is two separate ordinances. The first version of those was passed uh, this Wednesday, last Wednesday. And so at the next meeting, the first Wednesday in May, there'll be the second vote on that. And then we'll be moving forward with everything. By the way, on May 1st, we won't necessarily have everything we plan to do done, but we're gonna have enough that we feel comfortable opening. Plus the other important thing was this gives every city employee that wants to get a vaccine a chance to get it, mm. go through the waiting period, have it active so they can be vaccinated prior. We're not forcing anybody to do that because again, that's an individual decision. I recommend everybody do it, uh, but if they don't do it, it's their decision. They have the opportunity to do it. That, that really brings up a great point, and it's a little off off subject here, but the idea of uh, of workers having the vaccine, uh, is it more, would you say it's more important uh, that if you are in public safety, if you're in law enforcement or firefighting, that that's something that's pretty imperative because of your your public outreach there? Yeah, I, I'd say that's very important because our police and fire have been obviously in contact with people all through the last year of COVID-19. Uh, a couple of our officers have had pretty severe cases of COVID. Wow. And uh, we have a, a large number vaccinated, not necessarily everybody, because again, it's their decision whether they want to do it or not. But we at least, again, want everybody to have that opportunity before we open the doors. And again, the the, the, the target is June 1st. Uh, uh, any any pushback from city council at all? I, I, I caught a little bit of the meeting. Yeah. Um, there's one or two council people that probably think we're doing too much, actually. But uh, yeah, I believe we're doing the right thing and what's best, not just for city hall employees, but for the public as well. We're trying to protect everybody from the spread of this. And, you know, there's a good chance that COVID-19 now may be like the flu, yeah. where it changes every year. and We have to get a vaccination every year to protect ourselves from it. It was interesting to hear um, Councilwoman uh, Allen say that, there was a study made during the Filippi administration yes. of doing what you're doing now. And again, again, if we're able to fight off <laughs> time cards, <laughs> we've been able to push, kick the can down the road uh, this far. That's pretty typical eerie politics. All right. So, um, so again, this is, this is what's been planned uh, um, as far as, having uh having this safety project one more one more po uh, point on this before we move on this kind of begs the question when you're talking about that the police station is co-located at city hall you right. had those uh you had those state representatives make the case for a public safety building that would be by itself uh i think they were even saying the uh you know french street by where the city garage is or what have you uh, yes. What's your thoughts on that? I think that's definitely worth looking at. It's not something we're going to do in a couple of years. It's probably a three, four year project. Uh, but I, I want both police and fire to take a good hard look at that and, and decide what's, what's best for them. Uh, they're a little bit different because, you know, firefighters, we have uh, six fire stations around town where some, you know, a, a lot of firefighters, they spend all their time there. They're not even at City Hall. I think we only have the chief and assistant chief in fire at city hall police is a little different because everything goes through city hall for the police you know when they make an arrest they have cells there they keep people in until they get transferred to the county jail are they or... are they out of room are they jammed at the police department or is it i mean again it's not as big as it used to be so i would think that there's enough room 
I think there's I think there's enough room. I know I, I've often gotten to walk through where the cells are, and there's rarely people in those cells. Right. It, and it, when, when they are in there, it's very short before they get either released or transferred somewhere else. That was always one of my favorite parts of a of a of a Boy Scout or Cub Scout tour is when they uh-huh. when when uh, you know old Toby or one one of the one of the patrolmen would lock you up you know oh yes. wait wait I I don't have, know where my keys are you know yeah yeah <laughs> the, you know, another thing another thing there's been a lot of talk about is maybe moving City Hall to a different part of the uh, city oh, uh, wow. maybe over Parade Street or maybe East Avenue and letting city hall become maybe a residence for uh for people that want to live downtown uh to to kind of enhance that more and again this is we're talking years in the future it's not going to happen overnight here uh but that's something i'm also willing to talk about negotiate and we can make that work uh that that makes downtown more welcoming and vibrant that's really really interesting because generally you know especially in a county seat your your city hall is like right there you know mm-hmm. in in the main in the main drag so yeah that that would be paradigm changing for sure wouldn't you think mayor absolutely and you know that might you know bring more business to parade street or east avenue if we moved over there right on, you, on the east side there. which is yeah. which is probably the, my primary target in ter- terms of trying to improve neighborhood and locations in the city we're in police and fire uh recruitment time again and uh this is one of your priorities, like literally from day one, that has been a tough one for you because the the um, the turnaround or, you know, the the ability to, uh, you know, to diversify uh, public safety is, is is one of the tough things that every mayor in an urban uh, context seems to have. You're absolutely right. It, it really is, because historically most police and firefighters were white and it tends to run in families. You know, yeah. if your father or, or mother was a policeman, firefighter, you want to be one too, when you grow up. Uh, and I, unfortunately, and again, I'm just trying to state what's true. Uh, I don't like it, but uh, a lot of minorities don't want to be police or fire because of experiences they've had, particularly with police. Uh, I know I've talked to African-American ministers who were driving home at night from a service and a police car gets behind them, follows them, checking out probably the license plate. This is all kind of speculation, but, and then they realize who it is and they let the car alone. But, uh, and I I know some minorities too that have talked to me about being pulled over when they had done nothing uh, and maybe they had a taillight out or something and they just don't seem to get treated like a white person would have gotten treated. Now, I believe our, our police are really committed to diversity, equity, and inclusion. Starting right at the top, uh, Mike Nolan, uh, you know our our chiefs, Bizarni, they they really they really are, and what they've done with Tom Lennox, Sergeant Tom Lennox, mm-hmm. who now, this was last July, uh, his salary and benefits were picked up for two years uh, through a grant, and that allows him to work full time on trying to recruit minorities, and and to work with minorities to have a, a better a better relationship with the police and where he's doing that, where it's going to be most effective. It's a long-term strategy, but it's with junior. He starts with junior high kids and he's been doing this for four or five years now. He started before I was in office. It's expanded since I've been here. And these kids uh, last uh, December, it's called the police athletic league, pal, what he runs. 
and he was taking Christmas presents, just small things, you know, not much value, but he was taking them to the homes of kids. And he has, he's got 600 kids, most of whom are minorities in this program. He asked me if I wanted to go along with him one night. And in a, in a couple hours, we went to about 19 kids' homes. Wow. And the relation, that really opened my eyes. The relationship between these kids and the police was incredible. And these were all minority kids, kids of color, uh, children of new Americans, Hispanics. Uh, it was, you name it. And these kids... You know, this was during the height of the pandemic last December when we were up a couple hundred cases a day and we all had masks on, but these kids had to hug every police officer that went in with, with the gifts. And Tom Lennox was there, of course, an African-American, but the other five were all young white officers and they were just as committed to this as Tom was. And obviously they had the same great relationship with the kids. So that really showed me this. Now it's not going to happen overnight. But when we'd ask those kids after we'd given them the presents, talked a little bit, I'd ask them, well, what do you want to be when you grow up? About 40% of those kids say they want to be a policeman or a firefighter, Wow! which, uh, I mean, that's great for what, what's going to happen here in the future in Erie. Yeah. And again, it, you know, if, if this has been going on four or five years, they're not that far away then. You're right. Uh, to You're right. to uh, making that decision to, to get involved. We were also yes. talking about uh, – uh, honestly, uh, veterans. And, and again, if you're a person of color and you have that military experience, you have a lot of choices because the military prepares you well, um, you know, for for life, yes. period. And yes. so you have a lot of skill sets that available to employers. And so it's it's that concept of of uh, of uh, encouraging a veteran uh, you know, white or uh, or uh, a person of color to to consider the, how good a uh, a job in law enforcement or, or, or a job in public safety could be. And yes. uh, <laughs> we were joking that yeah, you ought to be down there at Paris Island, you know, while they're getting you know while they, they you know while they're getting out of basic in the Marines, you know, with uh, three years or four years to go with your car to say don't forget about us when you get out yeah. of the service but, because because honestly this would be a great job for you, but it's um it is it is a a long long road, isn't it? It really is, and I can tell you, Tom Lennox and, and his crew, and he's not the only one. There's about 80 police officers involved in the police athletic league, and it's all volunteer time. And Tom and some of those officers have gone to some of the military bases here in Pennsylvania, Ohio, New York, and they've been specifically trying to identify minority uh, soldiers, uh, sailors, Marines, and and talking to them about the opportunity here in Erie to become a police officer. And I can tell you the good thing that's happened in the first few years here we've been in office is we've really increased the number of minorities taking the test. Uh, and we do have a minority officer who we are gonna be hiring this summer. We've had a couple of minorities we've hired, but this is the first African-American minority. He's going through the training right now to receive his certification that he needs. He should have that about the summer. And there's a position open that he's gonna be offered as soon as he gets that because he achieved this, you know, they have to take this test. It's physical, you have to pass a physical test and then a written test. And it's the highest, about 25 on that written test that get considered to be hired over the next year. They used to do that every other year. We moved it up to every year so we can have more turnover and get, Mm -hmm. as we get more minorities that want to take it, they'll have the opportunity every year to do that. 
What about I, what, I was going to say? What about the esprit, the esprit de corps, though, of the police department? Again, there's a lot of negativity in the media, and uh, I, I would imagine that some of the older, the older guys are saying, you know, I don't, I don't, I, I'm, I got my, I done my time, I'm done. And uh, and and what what my fear is, and you tell me if it's an unfounded fear, is that. Uh, you know, we we need every neighborhood, every neighbor to feel safe. Yes. And and if we don't have enough cops on the beat, there's going to be neighborhoods that don't get the don't get the immediate response like they deserve. Yes, I, we would definitely like to have more policemen. We just can't afford it right now. But, we, you know, we've uh, we'll t- I know we'll talk about some of the money uh, a little later, but uh with what we've done, we're going to focus now. We've we've brought the city's expenses under control, at least for the next five years. We don't expect any income tax or real estate tax increases for at least five years. And five years out, now we're we're about one and a half million dollars short of what we'd need based oh. on very conservative projections. So what we're working on now, my team and I, is to to uh, bring more businesses to Erie, bring more people to living in the city. So that we could start increasing income instead of just trying to cut the expenses to the bone, because you can only cut expenses so far, and 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 then you're hurting the, the people in Erie, for instance, by not having enough policemen. Sure, sure. That, uh, that will be a priority once we have a chance to hire more. You know what, Mayor? We we have to remember that uh, you were our last in-person guest. Period, and that really? was that was uh, March thirteenth of 2020 wow. and then we wow. have, we have been on zoom we haven't had anybody in here since that day and uh it's pretty remarkable stuff but um it sure is so okay so speaking of you know uh being being shut down uh up until now the parks have been kind of shut down at least parts of the parks and so let's yeah. talk about that a second uh you you put out a release that the parks were reopening uh, yes. and, uh, talk about some of your thinking on that. Well, you know, we are starting to get people vaccinated. Uh, parks are outside rather than inside. Uh, we're still encouraging people, uh, to wipe down things after they use them if they can, cause we can't do that after every use and, and also to stay separate from people that they're not living with. Obviously someone you live with, you can be as close to as you want, but, uh, when you're out at a park or whether you're just walking or on a swings or whatever, you should try to maintain that social distancing. Also, if there's a lot of people on a playground, we'd highly recommend everyone have a mask on, uh, again, just to protect each other. Uh, so uh, it's it's not 100% safe. I think it's safer than it was last summer though. And the more people we can get vaccinated, the, the safer it'll be for everybody. So, and you think we, about we are, kids, kids in a playground equipment. That's always been kind of the big, the big yes. dicey thing. But yes. honestly, uh, I mean, these moms and dads they they have hand sanitizer and they have uh, wet ones for these kids on a normal summer day. Yeah. So, uh, I would imagine that's going to be a thing. Uh, Shane, we had a, we had a question about the parks, didn't we? Earlier in the week, do you remember that one? Um, the uh you know somebody was wondering about what what they can do in a park but uh i, I guess oh I guess, in terms of um gathering if you wanted to have a, a like a birthday party or something in a park right wasn't that one of the yeah the questions yeah 
Yeah, I guess I, I don't think we're approving that sort of thing yet. Although what we're doing is encouraging people, if you want to have some sort of get together at Perry Square or really in any park to start the process, we're not guaranteeing we'll, when we'll be able to start doing that. But there, there is a process we have to go through. Uh, there's a form that the county created for any public events that we're, that we're using. And it it's, goes through the county's health department. And I've got a lot of faith in how they look at things and sure. how they approach things. Uh, so uh, get that, you know, come, you know, call the city parks department, get things started, do the form. And we'll hold a date for people. And we'll try to let you know at least a month ahead of time whether we're able to do it or not. Right now, we're not doing any public events, but we hope that will change in the coming months. So the, so to be clear, the, the permitting, like for things that would be happening at uh, Perry Square at, on the stage to use the power and all that, the lights, that's still on hold. Is that what is that accurate? That's correct. Okay. That's correct. We're not. We're not granting any permits, but we are accepting them to, to start the process so that when we're ready, we have things ready to go. Same thing with the, the portable um, stages or the band. Uh, you, you even had a, a release today. I think Frank had a release about that you're repainting the, the band shells. And uh, are That's those right. going to be out uh, this summer? Will they be available for people? If we start allowing gatherings, absolutely. But okay. again, that's still a question mark as to when that will come into effect. Yeah, it's it's one of those – we are in a kind of a weird place, aren't we, Mayor, as far as like uh, things things are starting to look good, but it's not happening fast enough to allow people that to plan. And so – You're right. You know, so yeah. I, again, uh, you and I have Sicilian-American uh, descendancies. Yes. We want our – pizza frita at the St. Paul's festival. And it's like, we're really rooting for it. We don't know what it's going to, what the conditions are going to be. Yeah. We're definitely going to make sure it's safe before we start to allow it. Okay. Uh, Talk about uh, the, the workforce again uh, with the reopening of, uh, uh, of city hall by June. uh, Your is, is the expectation that pretty much everybody will be back to city hall? Will there be still some working from home? What, what does that look like? That's something we're still talking about. We think some people can work much more effectively from home, get a lot more done. We found that that's one thing we've learned. And, and uh, you know, the virtual meetings are very efficient. Uh, We, we get, we get a lot more meetings done virtually than we ever did when we did them face to face. But there are a lot of city employees that have to be in the office because people want to come in and talk to them or have an issue that they need to deal with. Uh, so, we're, and we're still, we've got union negotiations to do on this issue the, uh, because we don't want to do something that upsets the unions where we're, if they don't like that we're letting some people stay home and some people have to come into work, we have, we'll have to talk through all that. I, a, lot, a lot more employees will be back at work regularly. Like me personally, I'm in there every day because there's stuff I have to sign, stuff I have to review. Uh, so I'm usually in about half a day every day, but I'm also still working from home the other half of the day and doing yeah. virtual meetings and uh, working on email and that sort of thing. Yeah, I mean, you it is interesting, and, and, and I'm kind of tracking with you on that kind of schedule because I'm in my sweats, but I'm getting all this stuff done oh. from my desk at home. You know, Absolutely. and then I get ready to go to go in. You know, you put your suit and tie on and then yes. you go in. But uh, it's interesting how much you can do 
in the morning uh, when when you know uh, when you don't have to jump up and and make that commute. The um, the it, it, I, I want to ask you again about you know what could be happening uh, at City Hall when it reopens as well because. Uh, at one point, you were saying, well, they might need escorts to go to the office, and so you might have to build in some um, uh, some staffing that way. Is the, and, and, of course, you're encouraging people to use the new website uh, for, like, buying dog licenses or ordering yes. uh, or asking for a pickup, an extra large item pickup or so on. Uh, are, you, are you thinking about reformatting, you know, the, the – um, Kind of the lobby, so that if you are making a deposit for taxes, or you know, like the like the the five or ten things that you all everybody has to do the most, you know, that generates the most traffic at City Hall, having them there available right at the lobby, like yes. paying a parking ticket or what have you. Go ahead. Uh, absolutely, yes. Uh, and as you know, the treasurer's office is right there in the lobby, and a lot yeah. of people come in to pay their they pay all three of their county taxes, or school district, county, and city tax there. And there are a lot of people that that want to continue doing that, and and they certainly will. They have to go through the uh, scanners and you know, and answer questions and bypass the police on the way in, uh, but they will be able to go there. And we have that bubble like straight in from the door, where there's been people in in there in the past for different things. And what we'd like to get is you know like the parking tickets and things things like that that people come in for regularly in that bubble. So again, they don't have to leave the lobby to go, uh, you know, any anywhere in the building to do anything. That's true. Like them- it's kind of it's kind of interesting that you would go down a hall or whatever just to pay a parking ticket. You know, I mean, yes. I don't know. Yeah, and we we are going to restrict access to the rest of uh, City Hall beyond the lobby. And if someone has an appointment with somebody, say on the third floor, maybe in personnel or accounting. They will, the person, they'll be set up in advance. When they get there, the person they have the appointment with will get a, a notice on their phone or their iPad or however they want to get it. And then they'll come down and we're going to have meeting rooms right in the lobby, uh, but they can take them back up to their office too, if they prefer to do that. But it, it'll all be kind of by escort. What about the concept of uh, open city hall, uh, city council meetings? Again, there are there are state statutes that kind of yes. dictate, you know, the Sunshine Act and so on. Where, where is that going? And again, I guess uh, city council kind of controls their own destiny. But what what do you know about that uh, that you can tell the citizens? Well, we we do plan to have open city council meetings uh, w- once we reopen, so that any literally anybody can come in. They're still going to have to go through the metal detector and, and everything, answer questions about COVID nineteen, do do all that when they come in. But anyone will be able to come. Uh, I'm certainly hoping that a lot of people. I, I I'd like to still broadcast them virtually, yeah. so that people can watch from home. You know, you don't have to get in a car, come downtown, uh, and then leave in the dark and go back home in the evening session. So uh, we really want people to be able to participate with city council and they could be there in person or they'll be able to watch virtually. All right. And again, that's all uh, starting for the summer here. Um, so looking at the summer uh, with uh, kind of walking through this uh, uh, gingerly, seeing what where the COVID case counts are, what do you what are you thinking that Erie might look like this summer? What what are your what are your hopes for it? Well, I'd like to get as far back 
closer to normal as we can. I don't think we're going to be like what was normal before COVID-19. But with some of the numbers lately, I I think I heard today we have 72 new cases of of COVID-19. I mean, that if that had happened a year ago, we'd all be shocked. Yeah, Uh, Yeah. That's a lot. And uh, we just need more people to get vaccinated. And as I, I think I said earlier, but the thing that bothers me is both hospitals have told me now that they have more vaccines than they have people that want them. Right. Uh, and we're, we need to get to like 75, 80% vaccinated to, to be comfortable with having large events and that sort of thing again. And I'm not sure if we're ever going to get there at this point. Couple of, of uh, let's do a couple of speed questions here. Uh, okay. n- <laughs> number one, uh, you, you made a statement on the, uh, George Floyd case, the conviction of Derek Chauvin, the, uh, the yes. Minneapolis police officer. Uh, you yeah. want to expand on that at all? Well, uh, you know, I guess I'm, I'm pleased with the results of that. Uh, we, we didn't know what to expect, really. Uh, and the reaction of the public after w- was was very good. There was no rioting, no, you know, no businesses being broken into or, or any of that. We we're very pleased with that. That case probably isn't over. I'm sure there's going to be appeals. There's other officers that still have to be tried that were involved in that as well. Uh, but uh, uh, I'm pleased with ho- how it went. And I, I, I hope this was a huge step towards eliminating racism and prejudice in our country and treating everyone equally. How are you satisfied with the how uh, the Erie police has adapted to wearing body cams and dashboard having jet dashboard cams live? Uh, what 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 kind of evaluation has there been so far? Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm very pleased with with how it's gone so far. Uh, the the chief went through a long process of evaluating all the different things that we could buy, the different types of cameras and that sort of thing. And to be, to be honest, I was getting impatient because that was a campaign promise I had made. Mm-hmm. I wanted it done, but the chief did it the right way. He did it in a way that officers could get comfortable with this before they actually started doing it. And he included some of the officers that were probably most likely to resist this or not like it in the whole process. And they learned enough that they got comfortable with it. And I'm not saying that 100% of the policemen are comfortable with it. There's probably still some that, that aren't, but they're, as a rule, they're doing very well with wearing it and using it. And they've seen the value in a couple of instances that have happened where, where we have evidence of what actually happened versus what somebody might be saying. So that's a, that, that's a huge step in the right direction. And I can tell you uh, in the past, our police have been treated very poorly often because people knew they could say anything to the officer and nobody's going to know, but the officer, now it's all being recorded. So police are being treated with a lot more respect now than they were a year ago prior to us implementing the cameras. Yeah. It, it, even though some, some police uh, officers may be uncomfortable, it really is a two way street. They're able to demonstrate, you know, uh, the unruliness if, uh, of, yes. uh, of a potential um, uh, yeah. arrest there. And so it, it kind of protects both the yeah. uh, every party involved. Uh, we, had, right. we had a conversation with um, uh, John Buchna from uh, the Downtown Partnership about some of the things that they want to do in Perry Square. I would imagine he's working closely with your administration. Uh, yeah. It seems to be a, a strong issue regarding the um, 
the availability of facilities and also water. Again, uh, Kathy Schaff, Councilwoman Kathy Schaff, big big proponent of water, and it, it actually reminds me. Yeah, there's no water fountain, and again, this is pre-COVID. Yes. There's no water fountain yes. at Perry Square. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I know the concern our public works has with the water fountain in Perry Square is how do you keep it safe? You know, people spit in it and throw garbage in it and. Uh, and but we the, were going but, down. But the uh, the but Presque Isle has uh, dozens of water fountains, you know, in a state park, right? I mean, is that a different context? You think? It it may be. I you know I, I don't know what their experience is out there. Uh, obviously, you have to have a car to get out there. Uh, and I'm and a lot of people from outside of Erie use it as well. We actually right. get more visitors there than the Grand Canyon gets or <laughs> right. Yellowstone National Park gets in a year. That's it. Uh, you know, downtown there's a history of uh, of a bad things being done. And we, over a year ago, before COVID-19, we were really working on putting a water fountain across the street from Perry Square near City Hall, you know, probably over by the police station where anybody could use it. But again, it's kind of under a watchful eye. And uh, that kind of got held up with COVID-19. And now the Erie Downtown Partnership uh, is working on up around 11th and state Pete Sassafras, somewhere around in there, putting uh, bathrooms and water fountains for uh, people that don't have homes. Uh, wow. And th- th- they're getting grant money to do that. I'm, I'm on their boards. So I'm very active in it. And uh, I- I'd like to get that done at some point soon uh, so that here, here this summer, obviously people without homes can get a drink if they need it, a drink of water or use a restroom if they need to when they're out. So. Well, it sounds like, too, that they might even have personnel to uh, kind of be ambassadors in the area that, you know, I, I mean, yes, that's right. I mean, I think let's just let's just be clear here. If you're going to try to attract 750 people into those apartments uh, that uh, may are being built by the EDDC, you've got a thousand workers coming back uh, in July to uh, Erie Insurance. You've got your Gannon students coming back in the fall. You've got, you know, uh, you know, more workers in in the in the area there, the courthouse, the city hall, whatever. You're you're gonna want to feel like you're safe. You know, you're going to a ball game. Yes. You want to feel safe as you're as you're going back to your car after the Sea Wolves or after the Otters. And so, yes. is that what we're trying to attack here? I think that's a big, big a big part of it, obviously. But doesn't uh, want... that beg that there should be more cops on the street, though? More B cops? Well, the problem with that is we can't afford it right oh, now. Geez, okay. uh, <laughs> so, uh, but we we certainly would, if at all, if, if possible, have more police. And over the next few years, if things go the way we're hoping they go and the, what we're working towards, we may be able to do that. All righty. Um, and the, the concept of uh, how... You know, you heard out in Mill Creek, uh, they they were concerned about brass versus patrol uh, ratios. How are our ratios in the city? Of, uh, of people of, people that are on the street versus uh, you know brass uh, management in in the police force. Uh, I think people on the street is somewhere in the neighborhood of uh, nine hundred. Uh, and again, I don't have an exact number. Though that's kind of the neighborhood I've always heard. Of what we may have that don't have. Oh, you're homes. talking. You're talking. You're talking about homeless. I'm sorry. I, oh, I'm I mean. Sorry. I mean. Um. You know, B cops, people that are available for patrol or traffic duty, versus brass that would be back uh, on desk duty. 
you know, this was a controversy in the Mill Creek Police Force that they felt like their that their uh, percentages were off the number of people that were at the desk versus available for patrol or or traffic. Uh, do you have any idea if how? And I, I can ask uh, Chief Bizarni this yeah. as well, but uh, yeah, yeah. I, I can't quote you any numbers, okay. but I really feel like that we're in pretty good shape in that way. Okay. That uh, you know, we've got a chief and four or five assistants, and everybody else is working on something. You know, wh- whether they're on the street or investigating a crime that happened. Uh, gotcha. I, I feel our police are, uh, are 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 doing things well. I've got a lot of faith in the chief and his leadership team. Last minute with uh, the mayor, Joe Schember. Uh, got to get our Lerda quote in here. Are you starting to see a little bubbling up of uh, building permits uh, as the spring kicks, kicks in? You know, it hasn't started yet. There's been very little. We're, we've been a little over 85 million, and we've moved up from 85.1 to about 85.5 million okay. uh, in the last uh, month or so here. But uh, I'm still... I haven't announced it in my press conference, but I'm, I'm hoping that we get a big win here soon. And I really hope that by the two-year anniversary of us implementing this, which will be August 3rd this year, that we're over $100 million in, uh, in new construction and expansion of uh, homes and businesses here in Erie. I tell you what, um, you know, with the, the cost of plywood and, and, and wood and building materials in general, that could be a, a mitigating factor, at least for the immediate future, uh, yes. for some people, uh, you know, launching into a, a big building campaign. Although you, the, you know, uh, you've got again Pete Zafiris uh, converting over the old uh, General Tire. Of course, you've got uh, Marquette wrapping up. You've got the the launch of the big uh, stuff for EDDC on Fifth and State. I mean, good yes. lord, a lot going on in your town there, Mayor. Absolutely. And Richford Arms right across the street from EDC on state, they're putting like 20 million into that. And wow. that, that's moving forward as well. All right. We're going to have to leave it there. Mayor Joe Schember uh, for his April visit. Thank you so much for taking the time. Thank you, Joel. See you next month. You've been listening to The Joel Natale Show, Erie, Pennsylvania's daily podcast from TalkErie.com. Subscribe to our show on your favorite podcatcher and get involved by emailing joel at TalkErie.com.